Good morning, church. It's been a while since I've seen you. Um, somebody wrote me the, uh, an email the other day and said, are you okay? Uh, <laughs> we're okay. We had, took a little bit of vacation and then we're out for ministry last week, uh, but it is good to be back with you today. And Certainly, this is a day that we need to proclaim. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, even in coming in in the midst of the rain this morning, that uh, we could find some little bit of gladness in that. Uh, so we are certainly glad to, to be here today and to, to worship with you and, and uh, to stand in this place, which I always understand and, and uh, appreciate that privilege and responsibility that it represents. This morning we're going to be uh, focusing on a passage of scripture that's familiar to most of us that have been in the church long, and that is from John chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. I invite you to grab your scriptures and let's read that, uh, and we'll get back to it a little bit later in the message, but let's look at this as a foundation of all that we do on this day. Matthew 16, beginning in verse 13, it reads, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, "Who do people say that I am, who the people say that the Son of Man is?" And they said, "Some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets." And he interrupted and he said to them, "But who do you say that I am?" Simon Peter spoke up and answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood do not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also pray that you are, also say that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word, and may we be challenged even in its reading this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, on this day we come before you and say thank you. Thank you for our privilege of coming to this place to worship you today. God, we gather together as a family of faith, some strangers to who we are, some who have been here a lifetime, and yet we understand that as we come to this place today, we come with a whole host of needs and concerns, of joys and sorrows, of fears and of great successes. But God, wherever we are in all of that list today, we pray for your presence to be made known to each of us. That you would allow this time of worshiping you and you being the focus of all that we do today. That it would be a time that we would be blessed, but Father, that it would be a time that you would be blessed. So God, in the next few minutes, we pray that you would allow us to hear a word from you that you allow us to open our ears and let us hear appropriately, that you allow us to open our eyes and see the world around us as you would see it. God, that you would open our hearts, that you would touch our hearts, 
And God, even today, if necessary, that you would break our hearts and let us understand a call from you. Help us to understand what the world out there is saying, who you are, and help us to understand our own story, and that's as if it were us hearing that directly from you today. Bless this time, and bless each one here. All these things I pray in the strong and redeeming name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Most of you that have been here long know that there's times when I come to preach that I ask you to participate, and this is going to be one of those days, okay? So everybody let go of all those things that's going to inhibit you, because I'm going to ask you today to get out of your comfort zone a little bit, probably. Uh, but the easy thing first is, how many of you have ever read, heard of, or seen on TV the comic strip Peanuts? Now this is participatory, raise your hand. If you've ever heard all those. Okay, who is the primary character of that? Charlie Brown. Of course. But how much do you know about Charlie Brown? Do you know anything about Charlie Brown? He's what? He has a dog named Snoopy. He's got a sister, and who's his main nemesis in life? Lucy. Course. He was actually created uh, by the cartoonist Charles Schultz on October the 2nd of 1950. And he was introduced into that comic strip as a four year old. So Charlie Brown would be celebrating his 70, whatever that is, 73rd birthday this year. Um, he was known for being the ultimate uh, survivor, overcoming bullying especially from Lucy and all the other things that happened in his story. But interesting enough from his creator come these words that he said, uh, that where Charles Schultz said of Charlie Brown that he must be the one who suffers because he is the character, caricature of the average person. Most of us are much more acquainted with losing than winning sometimes in life. But despite this, Charlie Brown does not always suffer as he has experienced some happy moments and some victories through the years, and he has sometimes uncharacteristically shown self-absertiveness despite his frequent nervousness. Schultz also said, I like to have Charlie Brown eventually be the focal point of almost every story that I tell. Charlie Brown is the only character that survived the cartoon for all 50 years that it was printed. Now, we had all established a, a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of story about Charlie Brown just from our experience in that, but how many of you knew all of those things about Charlie Brown? Only one. How do we, know, how do we say that we know Charlie Brown if we don't know all these things about Charlie Brown? It's because we read his story. We heard his story when it came on TV. We sometimes sympathize, sometimes we laugh, sometimes we empathize because we understood the feelings that he was expressing. And yet in many ways we fail to really know Charlie Brown. Knowing other people's stories ties into knowing our own story and the importance of knowing who we are and who those that we cross paths with are as well. The reality is that each one of us carries a story. 
Some of our stories would surprise our closest friends and sometimes even our spouses and family. Certainly those that are just kind of shoulder brushing those that we come in contact with. Both the stories that we tell through the life patterns we exhibit and the way we live our lives or the way our stories are told and exhibited in those in many ways come to know us. But I wonder how much time do each one of us really take to know our own stories? How much time do we take to know the stories of those that we are acquainted with? How many of us take the time to know the stories of Jesus? And the questions that he confronted those following him that day. Now, for the real participation part of this message today... I'm going to ask every one of you to look around and find somebody that is not your spouse, not your son, not your daughter, not your best friend, and get with them for a little exercise this morning. Quickly, let's do that. Okay, now, for your instructions, for your instructions, for the next 30 seconds, I need you to make visual observations, and I need you to get to know each other in 30 seconds. Go. Okay, time's up. All right, now for your instructions. I need one of you right quick to decide who's going to go first. Y'all got that settled? Okay. First person, in one minute, I want you to tell the other person who they are. Go. Okay, time's up. Time's up. All right, person number two. It's your turn. One minute. I hope y'all were nice the first time. One minute. Number two. Time's up. Okay. Well, the good thing about it, and you can go back to your seats. That's part of it's done. The good thing about it is nobody's got left, and I haven't seen any bloody noses yet. Thirty seconds to get to know someone, and a minute to tell their story and who you observed over that small 30 seconds. 
I'm not sure how you might feel now. Some of you may feel a little bit uncomfortable. Certainly got out of, outside of your comfort zone this morning. Hope none of you are offended. I hope none of you are sad. Some of you may be flattered and that would be good. But how did you do? How did you do in discovering who that person was in a short time? And how did they do in expressing who you are in that next minute? You know, the scary part about that, and one reason I wanted to do that, surveys and stories are told about those that come and visit our church. Do you know the amount of time that we've spent laughing and having a good time and telling those stories is how long the average person takes to decide whether they're going to come back to this church or not the first time they come? They look at our stories, they hear our stories, and they make that judgment in five minutes or less. And Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? And turns around and asks, but who do you say that I am? Your observations and communications just a moment ago became the beginning and maybe an end of a story. It may be a beginning of a lifelong friendship and possibly a new understanding of who that person was that you were teamed up with. Arthur Tim Carson Knowles says this about our stories. Everyday stories become stories to tell children. Scribes and priests told stories of religious affairs and leaders told heroic tales of their adventures. These stories have passed through generations. Some of them fill up his history books. Some of them are integral to culture. Some are embedded in family values. Stories are central to human cognition and communication. We engage with others through stories and storytelling is a lot more than just resuscitation of facts and events. As human beings, we are automatically drawn to stories because we see ourselves reflected in them. Where are you in the stories of life? Where are the stories of life impacting you? And where are your stories impacting those that you come in contact with? You see, we need to understand that our stories impact who we are and who others understand us to be. It understands that it, it reflects a, an understanding of what our hospitality may be as individuals and certainly as a church. You know, as we live our lives and we live out our stories, as we've just said, that those that come and visit our church make a value, a value judgment on who we are in a very short period of time. But the reality is, those that we meet on a regular basis, those that we meet at a store, in our office, brush shoulders next to, just walking down an aisle, also make judgments of who we are in the testimony of life that we give. In his teachings, Jesus was a master storyteller. 
drawing his listeners to hear the powerful life-transforming stories that he told. Certainly some of those stories were challenging. Some of those stories were confusing. Some were even outlandish to some and very refreshing to other, many times misunderstood and most of the time challenged, sometimes condemned by those who either did not understand or did not come to a point of wanting and having a desire to understand. We had those followers like Peter that said, you are the Christ, and we had those that they asked about, who do others say that I am, who gave a whole litany of responses that were so far from the reality of who he was. You know, I believe that Scripture today that we read is as much a question to us as it was to those followers in Jesus' time. And it's a responsibility, I believe, that we have to answer those that we come in contact with. To know and understand what they are saying and understand what we are saying. Both out of our mouths and the way we live. You see, by actions and by the reality of those things that are being said around the world today, we too are being challenged by a misunderstanding of who the Christ is. Through the writings of Matthew, he draws the reader into good news announcement of salvation. From the very first chapter where he proclaimed that this is the one, Emmanuel, God with us and will save his people from the sins. But later John the Baptist asked, are you the one that has come or do we still need to wait? Foreigners express great faith and acknowledge him as Lord. Certainly, however, those that were those that were challenged him and denied everything that he proclaimed to do and to be. By the time we read Matthew's chat, uh, account there in chapter 16, Jesus has already been on the trail to teaching and healing and questioning and being questioned and being challenged and challenging those that were following around. But today, how would you respond? How would you respond? First of all, what are they saying about me? Jesus asked. And then, who do you say that I am? Peter was brave enough to respond and, uh, to the second. All of them responded to the first, where they talk about some saying John the Baptist, others Elijah, some Jeremiah, or just one of the prophets. Peter stood up and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus' response to that is, Simon, you are now Peter. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And even that has come into controversy over the years. Some saying it was Peter that Jesus was wanting to build the church on. Some of it was maybe the rock that was there. Some of them calling Jesus himself the rock. And yet the testimony of Peter to me is what we build the church on. Jesus, you are the Christ, the living Son of God. And how do we understand that today? 
course, he ends that question, that, that, that scripture with, it's not time for you to go tell everybody because I'm, I'm not finished with what my journey has been called to do. But later on, at the time of Jesus' death, he proclaimed that was our job to tell the story. It is the church's responsibility. It is the believer's responsibility to go and to do. You know, as I understand and look and see and travel around, and most of you know that Lydia and I just returned from a vacation, and we go and see many of the great churches of, of centuries past that today and understand the impact that they had in the cultures of the time that have today turned into nothing more than tourist spots to go and view, having no impact in the society and no impact of the world around them. Church and cathedral and, and places of worship all over Europe and even in the eastern part of the United States that, that have now become nothing but tourist destinations. In proclaiming that. Jesus asked, who do they say that I am? Reality today is that there's a whole lot of people out there that don't know. We finished our trip in New York and went out to see the Statue of Liberty. First time for me as an adult to do that. I saw it when I was a teenager. But I realized this time something new and different in my observation, and one of those was the number of international people that came desiring nothing more than to see that statue and have their picture taken there. Because even in the midst of our immigration struggles here in this country today, that symbol of freedom is still there to those that don't know freedom. And their desire to be there and to talk about that and experience that and the love that they showed for that and the desire to have their pictures and, and just to be there. And then I wonder as I struggled with this passage of Scripture today is why in the world are they not clamoring for the freedom they that they could receive from the testimony of Peter? Christ. You are the Son of the living God. Why is it those that seeking freedom and symbols of freedom don't value the church anymore? Why are those even in our own community that would be willing to go and, and to see that not willing to come and to be here in a place of worship today? Could it be because of our testimony? Could it be because we are not answering their questions on who the Christ is? Could it be that we are not both telling the story but also answering their questions? Jesus asked, but who do you say that I am? It seems we must understand what our own story is going to be to that answer before we can tell and before we can live that out to others. But we also must understand why and what their responses, what the world's responses are to us. Today I wonder, is your testimony that of Peter, understanding the Lord Jesus Christ, as Christ, the Son of the living God, 
the hope of all eternity. And how well are we telling our story? In your word indeed today, who do you say that I am? Jesus would ask. Let's pray. God, the reality of your scripture is it's still as real and as live today as it was in the days that it was written. The testimony of Peter is a testimony that we must share today. Testimony of Peter is a, is a struggle yet a reality. And God, we proclaim that in this place, to be a family of faith, a family of believers, a family that proclaims who you are rightfully and truthfully. But God, we also understand our call to go and to redeem and to proclaim to the world. In a world where it's not as easy to go and knock, knock on somebody's door that's going to close it in our face, but it's an opportunity for us every day, for those that we meet, for those that we rub shoulders with, for those that we work with, for those that come and ask. But who do you say Jesus is? To be willing to share our story. God, we thank you for testimony. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your hope. We thank you for the promise of eternal life with you. But God, we also need to understand that we have complete and full life now and a responsibility in that to be your witnesses. Help us to be that. Help us to understand where we are in that story ourselves, even in this moment, and respond as you would call us to respond. Don't know where that message may find each and every one of you this morning. You may be struggling with your own story. You may be struggling in understanding where God is in the struggles that you're facing in life today. But His promises are true and faithful today as He was when He was walking the streets in His life those 2,000 years ago. We have a great opportunity to go and to share. We have a great opportunity to proclaim our story. And I pray that each one of us would come to a point that we would understand where we are in that journey today. Let's respond to Him wherever you are today. Let's stand and sing.